0: Welcome to Better Than Nothing. What you are about to hear is just me, being able to speak with some amazing people that come from many walks of life. This episode of Better Than Nothing is brought to you by Concept by Iowa Hearing. Your hearing is our priority. Visit IowaHearing.com or call 877-955-4020 for a free hearing screening. That's 877-955-4020. I recall meeting with the Knights of Columbus uh, over a decade ago in Des Moines in a large hotel ballroom full of men from across the state. And our speaker for the upcoming hour was Rachel Owen. An unassuming lady came to the front. Her voice was clear but not loud. Her demeanor was caring but reserved. And then she spoke to us about her work at a pro-life clinic in Iowa City, and she changed our lives. Rachel continues that work today, and I've asked her to speak with me in an era that has politicized and jumbled the entire pro-life, pro-choice environment. Rachel, you have hooked up successfully to my computer program. Good morning. How are you?
1: Oh, good morning, Ken. I am doing wonderful today. Thank you.
0: I wanted to uh, go back in time. It was about 2009 when I think I first met you to the beginnings of your work at that point. As I recall, that clinic you were running was the only one in Iowa at the time and uh, it was a challenge to be able to get enough funding to be able to keep it going. Uh, when did you really get started in your uh, pro-life clinic efforts?
1: We set our heart on the dream, my husband and I, when we found out the abortion rate in Iowa City was some of the highest per capita in the country. And so both of us being born in Iowa City and living outside of the city limits um, we were like wow we can't this can't be in our hometown I mean we look out our front window and we see the lights of Iowa City our hearts just broke for all the women there at the college choosing abortion every year and and in our hearts it feels like women feel like abortion is their only option that um, that the church isn't doing her job and so we felt like we needed to rise up and do that. So my husband, being the great delegator that he is, he um, he said, well, why don't you go do something about that? So then we jumped in. And so that was June of 2007. And it took us two years to raise the funds to get those doors open. And we knew right away that we wanted to do a medical clinic model, which had not been done in at, at a medical level and scale in Iowa before.
0: Now, as I recall... At that point, getting an ultrasound machine was uh, expensive. People were shocked at what it was costing, uh, but they seemed to be a key factor uh, in being able to talk to and show a young woman the child inside her. Do you recall the struggles of getting ultrasounds in the early time?
1: Absolutely. Although I'll have to be honest with you, Ken, our struggle was not very long. You know what happened was we saw the price that we knew it would be between um sixty-five thousand to a hundred thousand dollars to get a really nice high-end unit that because we wanted to bring excellence to the clinic. Um we knew that when a woman saw her baby it would be well over sixty to eighty percent. Now we see around ninety-one percent of people choose life once they see their baby on the ultrasound. So it's a powerful tool that we knew that we needed. And all it took was a a couple of friends we just we went to um I actually Bob Sinclair a precious knight and a dear friend of mine um really headed this and championed this he was a board member of ours one of the founding board members soon after we founded and he jumped right in and he and Boldened. It was so much fun to work with him alongside of the Knights because, man, well, all we had to do is it was just a little bit of exhortation, Ken, and those Knights jumped on board. And before we knew it, we had a $60,000 machine. We were actually the second machine in the nation. Well, okay, it was neck and neck. There was a center in Florida that the Knights purchased. So you know how great minds think alike. So there was a group in Florida thinking the same thing. And at the same time, and so on the same day, Ken, we were awarded our ultrasound machine money, and they were awarded their ultrasound machine money. So I always take to the second with them, but really between the two of us, we were both the first in the nation to get an ultrasound, a very expensive ultrasound, from the Knights of Columbus at the state level and then also at the national level.
0: I have worked with Bob Sinclair, who happens to be a John Deere dealer, Of course, this led into people in Des Moines who were saying, if you have a clinic in Iowa City, why can't we have one in Des Moines? Because we have more of the target group that were choosing abortion in Des Moines, theoretically, than we'd have in Iowa City and possibly Ames as well. And so, Bob Sinclair's brother gave us the facility in Des Moines to use to begin the first clinic there, but we needed governance, we needed help, and so we turned to you and your board at that time to be able to basically expand out to Des Moines for a period of time with us, and had it not been for, I think, your leadership, but also several people on your board, I don't believe that would have happened.
1: Well, and you know, that was just the beginning of many clinics that we've helped start across the state. Um, And I just take such joy in that and seeing people blossom and 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 stand up as leaders and be encouraged by their community. So I love, actually, that's one of my strong points. I love going in and just encouraging people and emboldening them to get involved in the pro-life movement in a really tangible way. And so it's fun to, to build leaders up through that and to open many clinics. So that's actually happened across the state many times where we've come alongside. I think it's almost 12 times <laughs> Since I last looked at my stuff that we've helped other centers get um, emboldened enough to um, to stretch out their wings and to create a clinic um, to really enfold these women who are in crisis can you know that they just need a little encouragement actually statistically it's amazing. Over 60% of women say that if just one person in their life said one positive thing to them about their unplanned pregnancy, they wouldn't even consider an abortion. So really, it's just, we just have to be there to be a little encouragement, and these women take off with strength. And so I think it's um, such an incredible opportunity, not only to rally around them with medical clinic, but also um, with that love of Christ So, anyways, I love it. It's so much fun. I love to see the growth that's happened in our state. And because of all of that growth of all these beautiful people rallying around each other and rallying around these women across our state, you know, it has been incredible. Those first 10 years, we reduced abortion by um, 50% in our state, Ken. It was awesome. It was just so awesome. And to see so many people rallied was was just a fun trip.
0: (laughs) was a group of men who really were the major supporters of you. It wasn't that women weren't, but our organization just turned its efforts to you and to these women. And I know of these uh, groups, and, and I'll just cite the Knights of Columbus, the Catholic men and what they did, but they were not at all the only ones. In fact, none of what you do is is related to any denomination. But, They would actually, once a woman had come forth and wanted to be able to keep her baby but had very serious economic circumstances or other issues, they would help her get into her own house or they'd move her back to a place where that she had family and friends and give her another opportunity to make the right choice. That happened time and time again, and apparently is happening more today than at that time.
1: Oh, yeah, it is. It is so much fun. You know, like you said, I would have to say that, you know, this is an ecumenical ministry. Um, you know probably 50% supported protestant and 50% catholic it's very down in the middle i love it i love that opportunity to bring the pro life community together in our state and what's fun is to see them all working so diligently and especially the night it's incredible to just call the nights and um, i i can have a whole house full of furniture <laughs> in it overnight it's wonderful or or one of the things that we love to do is to help you know, moms um, get a really low cost affordable car, uh, you know, if she needs to, you know, take the baby to daycare and finish her college classes, those kinds of things, you know, whatever is the obstacle. That's one of the things that's a little different about our ministry is we are obstacle hunters. So We're looking down and we're, we're um, jumping in and we're trying to figure out what is the obstacle that's that is helping her think that abortion is her only option. And then our job is to fix that. And a lot of the times it's just information and seeing that baby on the ultrasound, you know, 70% of times relieves that. And, but there's about, um, 30% 30% uh, that, you know, it is a real physical challenge. There's a, there is a huge obstacle financially or in the family or housing, whatever it is. There's a huge challenge there. And as a family, we rally around her. And, and that's what's been fun to watch. It's been fun to watch. Our state and these beautiful Iowans, (laughs) I tell you, I love Iowa. (laughs) I love the people here so much, and I love how they just rally around the least of these. And this has been a testimony of that.
0: You have mentioned college-age girls, and when the clinic started in Des Moines, it was getting uh, young women, in some cases still on their parents' insurance, uh, amazing who it was coming in, it wasn't the, the group you would actually think. And I wonder if you can elaborate on that a little bit more because it was shocking to me who was so casually choosing to get an abortion in this last decade.
1: In Iowa, there was um, 18 to 24-year-olds, um, upper middle class, on their parents' insurance, you know, generally in college. I mean, that was about f- almost 60%. And they are on the fast track to some degree, you know. And and a baby at this point is going to get in the way. And so part of our mission and job is to help them breathe and and to think. Okay, what will my life? What how will I feel about this in five years? How will I feel about this in ten days? How will I feel about this in ten years? And so just really helping them think and and unpack this. Um, and sometimes it's just they just need some time to digest on this when they've been so focused on a, a dream and a mission um, of success. The crazy thing is, is that, Ken, you and I know that children are a gift from God and that um, <laughs> it does not devalue us if we have an unplanned pregnancy out of wedlock. It doesn't devalue that human life, nor does it devalue that woman's life. It was a mistake. And you know what? We can We can ask God for forgiveness, and he can bring blessings into our life. And I've seen more than once where that child has um, been such a blessing to that young woman's life that it's actually turned her life for the better. We see these these precious women, um, and God takes a very bad situation and turns it into something that is amazing. It was a situation that was meant to destroy them. An abortion destroys women and children. You, You take... This community rallying around them and then they they find the value of life and the value of themselves and they turn into these beautiful women full of character and godliness. That is a success. So that's what gets me excited about this ministry is that one precious woman at a time. You know, she comes into the clinic pro-choice and, and, and not understanding the value of her own life, let alone the value of the life in her womb. And then when she walks out of the building, she walks out pro-life. Woo! It's just pretty cool stuff.
0: <laughs> Let's take a moment to talk with Taylor Parker, who's the president of Concept by Iowa Hearing. I've worked with them for the last 17 years and worn their hearing aids for that length of time, and I have had excellent results. Taylor, Dementia is of concern of people as we get older. And I understand there are several modifiable risk that you can employ. Could you tell us about those?
2: Yeah, sure can. And so the studies were done by Johns Hopkins, um, Stanford, Cambridge University. So world renowned, um, you know, research centers. And what they found was there are 12 risk factors that you can actually modify, you know, in your life. Now, they broke it down by age under 45, 45 to 65, and 65 and above. Under the age of 45, proper education, so being well-educated is the number one thing you can do under the age of 45. Between the age of 45 and 65, obesity, alcohol consumption, blood pressure, brain injury, and hearing loss. So between the age of 45 and 65, is actually the, the number one thing you can do in that age bracket is actually treat your hearing loss. So it's not an age-related thing, so between 45 and 65. Over 65, smoking, depression, social isolation, air pollution. And when you talk about air pollution, it's not just being out and about in a large city. There are actually carcinogens in a wood-burning stove that can lead to, one, hearing loss, but also um, things you can do for dementia. So it's not just out and about in large cities. Um, Lack of physical activity and diabetes. Um, It can actually prevent or delay up to 40% of the dementia cases by modifying these pieces. And when you look at all those 12, nine of those are actually correlated to an untreated hearing loss. But the number one thing you can actually do out of all 12 and do it between the age of 45 and 65 is actually treat your hearing loss. So when they talk about hearing loss being a, a, a very important thing, treating your hearing loss is the most modifiable thing you can do to help offset dementia. And wearing hearing devices or treating your hearing loss can reduce dementia symptoms by up to 75%. So studies are showing not only that hearing loss plays a cl- critical role in health conditions, You know, dementia being the the biggest one, but also treating your hearing loss is not the number one thing you can do, um, to help with dementia.
0: That is very interesting information. Thank you, Taylor. Schedule your free hearing screening at Concept by Iowa Hearing. You can call them at 877-955-4020. A good farmer will never forget 4020 as the last four digits. Or you can go online at Iowahearing.com. Rachel, your work has been on saving these lives and changing those of people who had either no opinion on abortion or were just placed in a situation where they had to make a choice. And in many cases, they were by circumstances deprived of what they thought every choice except abortion was. I want to turn to politics, though, if I can, and I said the jumble of what has taken place now, because, you know, um, a lot of people were pro-life and expressed it, and they wanted Roe v. Wade to be done away with, and there were marches for life beginning just a few years after that came about in 1973, and this year, it happened, but it seemed like the right to an abortion, which was not in the federal constitution, but only put there by the Supreme Court, now being removed caused more problems than it solved politically. And I just wonder your reaction as you saw Roe v. Wade repealed, and then what's taken place since.
1: You know, I just see it as a shift in the battle. Um, Yes, it was a victory. You know, that was a a victorious um, victory in that particular battle. But it's just a shift in the overall war. Right. I mean, we are um, in a war of life and death here and to to bring that value. It is critical. Right. So what's happened is it shifted back to the states. So now it's on each state to make their own um, laws and regulations to protect life and to really make a stand for who they are as a state. Uh, this is a good thing. I, I, uh, per particularly, personally, I believe in, in smaller government and we need to have local, smaller government. And so I'm big into, like, keep the states and let the states make their decision. But it does bring up a lot of issues. And one thing that's, we're seeing, um, in this new, <laughs> the new battle. So the battle is shifted, like, we're in a new battlefield now. Um, is is out in california and a lot of the pro-abortion organizations have been preparing for these heartbeat bills like in texas and in other places um, and hopefully sometime soon in iowa you know and you're seeing a. I know you're down in florida you're seeing a lot of lovely um, restrictions and standing for life down in florida and so just a beautiful um coming together now the thing that um is heartbreaking is that how they've shifted this battle is through the abortion pill right now, you know, there's over, you know, 80 some websites that you can get on and you can have that abortion pill shifted, shipped to your door um, right now in any state that you live in. And you're having that abortion alone. You're taking that medic medical abortion, which is um, a, a, just a pill and you're having that abortion home alone in your bathroom, and those girls are just isolated and alone. And that's what the enemy does. He wants to – that's the whole fear based on abortion is, you know, oh, you're going to be isolated because of this pregnancy. People aren't going to love you and care for you, and they, they move in fear. And so this is the whole story over and over again. And so what's been going on in California is they have now decided um, – and this was about a year ago before June happened, before, um, you know, the changing in the abortion laws – what they are doing is they're promoting what is called the missed period pill and no one is talking about it so i love taking this opportunity with you to talk about it but that missed period pill you know that they started doing a test plot by some professors in california and what they said was we know that some women regret their abortions we know that that's a hard thing and so you know you know why don't even take a pregnancy test just take the abortion pill which is now called the missed period pill, and and you know you don't even have to know if you were pregnant or not. Well, Ken, there's so many medical implications because of this because of this missed period pill that is now spread across our state, spread across our country. It is overwhelming the damage that can be done by this. Uh, women, you know, when what what happens is when you take the abortion pill, it blocks your um, absorption of progesterone. And as it blocks your progesterone, or progesterone, it can mess your whole um, hormonal system up um, and your whole cycle as a woman for like many months. And so um, these women likely won't have it uh, their their cycle the next month or the next month, and then they'll take it again and again and again. And no one knows the long term complications of just you know taking this this abortion pill like it's candy. And so there's a whole new game that's come up and that's actually brings me to the topic of now we have a whole new battle. And so I have partnered with some really amazing human beings. Um, and we have started. Um, it should have actually been done three months ago. We're working our tails off to get it to where we're going. But um, what we're trying to do is we're trying to shift the pro-life industry, and we're trying to move fast as we can to answer this whole battle that's happening now. This whole battle shift of girls taking the abortion pill and they don't even know if they're pregnant or not. And so what we're doing is we're trying to um, very quickly form a um, 24-hour nurse. Um, hotline where girls can get on and chat with a nurse 24 hours a day, anytime, seven days a week. Um, and then they can actually see her face to face. They can ask questions. And then, and then what we do is we just, we have a whole plethora of short videos and short informational, um, text that we send out and just you know give her the full information that she needs to make a choice that is healthy and strong for her and it's so exciting but at the same time there's a lot of work to be done so yes to answer your question can. um I'm excited that, you know, Roe versus Wade and but all that was overturned. I'm excited that it's back to the states to decide. It gives that battle back in our ballpark. Really, really, it, it's important that we vote. It's important that we were, we're involved, but it's also we now the battle is on a different field and it's on the phones. It's on the internet. These girls are, so we've got to be there too. As a pro-life organization, we've got to run as fast as we can to making sure that our face is on the phone when they're on the phone, when they're abortion minded, that we're there for them and that we're able to meet their needs right there um, on the phone. Because unfortunately, a lot of them are right there on their phone in their bathroom having that abortion by themselves. I hope that's not too graphic for your speakers, Ken, but that's where our world is headed right now.
0: No, I think that's uh, exactly where it is and you have just moved me forward because my thinking has always been to this point just get women to come into your clinic you want to change their mind change their direction and get them to take responsibility for that child along with the community that they're in and move on forward now it looks to me like your work in the clinic will be less and it'll be more where the battlefield is now and that's online and on the phone Potentially uh, linking up with them way before you would ever have seen them uh, in the past.
1: Yeah, that is that is really just a synopsis of it. Now, our goal, what we're our goal is, is to partner with pregnancy centers all over the country. So this will be a national hotline. But the goal of it is to get them into the clinic because we know that's where they're going to be surrounded. But girls aren't going to the clinic, and We've seen our numbers drop in the last two years. Of course, COVID was a big factor, but we've seen it just continue to drop. It's because they're actually taking the pill before they know they're pregnant. And so this is um, we're not even getting a chance to get them into the clinic anymore. So this is why we have to we, we're calling this the pre appointment. This is a pre-appointment relationship that we're working on so that we can be available to them, again, right where they're at um, on their phone. Because what, what you know, 18 to 24-year-old or even from 10 to, you know, 30-year-old do you know, Ken, that's not on their phone all the time?
0: Everybody is connected, no doubt about it. I know that Kim Reynolds, the governor of Iowa, uh, was coming to your clinic uh, to inspect it even before it, uh, in the early times, uh, the one in Des Moines she came to before it was opened back when she was lieutenant governor and very pro-life. Now Iowa is one of the states that uh, has a, uh, a stronger and stronger effort to try to uh, regulate abortions at the state level. But I wonder how much you think we ought to move toward legal means I mean, the worst of that is that not only does the woman have an abortion, she's charged with a crime for having an abortion. We still lost the child. But on the other hand, is there any give or take in the argument that would at least define what is life when life starts and at what stage from that point forward that it would be prohibited by the state uh, from being uh, allowable to have an abortion?
1: Yeah, that's a pretty loaded question. (laughs) I feel like, um, of course, that um, life begins at fertilization. And then, you know, once it's implanted into the uterus, um, you know, there's no turning back on that. It's a life. Um, You know, I don't know if you've seen um, some of the research that's out there, but now there's there's this beautiful footage they have that when the sperm hits the egg, there's a burst of light. Um, that happens. So that's actually this beautiful chemical reaction. But, you know, the first time I saw it, I thought, oh, you know, that is when, you know, we become, cause we're created in the image of God. And that's when our spirit enters in to our body is right there at that moment when that sperm hits the egg and it just instantly like, it's so beautiful. So that's where my heart is. Now, do I feel like, um, we need to charge women with a criminal act at that time. Um, you know, there's so many miscarriages. Um, There's so there's there really is a gray line within there. My heart is and, you know, and so I, I don't even know if I've even taken the time to really hash that out yet, Ken, in my own heart. But I do know that as a state that we should not have abortion facilities in our state that we should have um, strong laws against doctors and, and and also supporting that consciousness you know of that doctors have a conscience and they they shouldn't have to go against their conscience because there's a lot of a lot of A law is pushing the other way on that. And so I think that's where we need to really put our focus on in our state is is that our state does not perform abortions. And do we make money for the sinful destruction of taking a life? We don't make money in our state, nor do we let anyone make money from that in our state um, just because we stand on life. So that is where, you know, I really feel like we need to put our big efforts in that first um, and then I feel like we need to make sure before we start, you know, hey, you know, this is against the law. We're going to make women do jail time on this. We need to make sure that we have everything in place so that women have everything they need to make an adoption plan, to be able to care for their children in their own home and to parent, you know, to um, rally around those women that are um, raped. You know, I just I just am uh, writing a new pro-life magazine. And um, it'll be launching in January. And one of the articles we just put on that is is about this rape culture that no one for decades has been talking about, Ken. You know, in Iowa City alone, at the college here, we have over... Um, 400 rapes reported to the rape advocacy every year, and only around five or six reported to the police department. We live in a rape culture where girls are told that it's, you know, hey, it was what you were wearing. You know, so we need to have everything in place before we say, oh, you need to go to jail for this or to have some kind of law. we got to have things in place where we're surrounding women who've been raped and loving them and, and helping them um, walk through the challenge of that. We need to... Um, sit down and 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 make sure that we have all of those social issues um, rallied around that woman who has unplanned pregnancy first uh, before we, we go in that direction. And I think we've got a little ways to go. Um, we've come a long way, but I think we've got a little ways to go on that in our state. So that's my my heart.
0: <laughs> Rachel Owen, you uh, continue to move me and I think everyone who hears your message And you continue to move forward in your efforts to be able to help women make the choice of carrying their baby to term and loving that child and entering that child into this world. And I thank you for that very much. I want to tell you one story of my own wife and her two children. Uh, Jane and I married eight years ago, and she told me that both of her boys are adopted. And every year at Thanksgiving, she would make a card that would go through with pictures, all of the things they had done that year, and she would put that card away just in case at some point in the future, the woman who gave up that child might be re- reunited with an adult. Uh, and so sure enough, Jane's uh, sons, uh, after they reached 18, began asking, you know, who do they, was their mother, what do they know about her mother. And these were private adoptions, so Jane had um, pretty good information on who they were, and she had friends who had real good information on who they were. One at a time, the boys um, were able to reconnect with their birth mother. And in one case, the oldest boy, his mother was 15. To my knowledge, there was never any talk in that family of her getting an abortion. We got to meet her, and she came to see us. And Jane gave her all of those cards that evening to go back through that child's life. And the positive response of that uh, was amazing. We concluded it with Jane saying, you just can't have too many people love you. The other son, almost exactly the same situation. She was 17, and uh, we got them both together with us a couple of three times uh, i think i think three times and have just had an amazing relationship with them and their families because that the time the choice was made by those girls and their families it was a hard choice to give up that baby but they chose to allow it to be adopted and in this case adopted by jane and her first husband and they love those children dearly today i think it's a testament for what you can do as one pathway to be able to give life to that child.
1: (laughs) That is an absolutely beautiful God story. I love it, Ken. Um, I hadn't heard that story about Jane. That is beautiful. And, um, yeah, that, those are the stories that we love to see. And we've had many of those, um, the beginning of those stories over the last, um, 14 years in this ministry. Um, we've seen many beautiful children placed in beautiful homes. And, you know, we won't know the extent of the beauty of it all until we get to heaven. I love to say, you know, And it's going to be better than any Christmas here on earth when we get to heaven. we're going to get to open up all those beautiful stories, Ken, of all those lives that have been changed, precious sons. That's beautiful.
0: Well, it is uh, a challenge to grow up, male or female. And it is a, a challenge to make the right decisions when you have little experience. And I think everyone can relate back to our own youth. And circumstances of it that were very difficult for us to handle at the time. And so people like you who will show this love and compassion and alternatives make a huge difference. I really can't thank you enough. I would point out also you have children. Tell me how many children you have in their ages.
1: Mm-hmm. I have um, six beautiful children and two grandchildren. Now, Ken, I think since I last talked to you, I have two um, beautiful grandchildren. My oldest daughter is married. She's uh, 22, and then I have a a 19-year-old who just got engaged, a beautiful, beautiful um, little couple there. Uh, So we're getting – we have two new sons coming into our family. And then um, I have a 17-year-old son and um, a 13 year old beautiful girl and then another nine year old and then a six year old. So I spread them out. I'm kind of, uh, you know, we're do, we're busy doing ministry and busy doing life. And we have a little farm here where we mostly raise children, but, um, you know, (laughs) you gotta have a farm in Iowa where you raise children. I have them so far apart because we're doing ministry and I'm afraid of diapers. You know, I just, you know, I have to have one out of diapers before I have the next one. So (laughs) anyways, God has been good to us and we've been blessed. And I have a a beautiful husband of 26 years. I cannot tell you um, how blessed I am. And there's one thing that happened early on. And one of the reasons I stepped out in this ministry so heavy and so strong was because I was experiencing a little postpartum, you know, which some of us do here and there. And, um, and, but I'll tell you, there's nothing better cure to depression and postpartum than helping someone else who is in need. I mean it just it's how God designed us. Actually they did a, a, a documentary on Mother Teresa and they took college students and took their blood and and when they um their antibodies actually rose up high when they just saw Mother Teresa doing what Mother Teresa did, which is sacrificially loving others. Um, and so what we do when we love others sacrificially it makes us strong and healthy and so that's what I see in my family I see my family strong and healthy because we've made that that decision to um, care about others and so you know I always tell people when they say oh I'm I've got this problem I got this problem I'm like come and volunteer at the clinic because you know you sit beside a woman who you know <laughs> her husband beats her and she's doesn't know what to do with her baby, all of a sudden your life is wonderful.
0: <laughs> Rachel Owen, you're now the uh uh board president of the Informed Choices Clinic. Online, how can people see your clinic and how can they get in touch with you if they wish to support you?
1: They can go to um, informchoicesmedicalclinic.com and on there they can see... Um, the website for the clinic, or, or they can go to our friend's website, which is informedchoiceia.org. And that's also our donor website where they can see a lot of the cool things that we do there. Uh, yeah. We would love to um, have your support, your prayers. Um, anyone wants to volunteer. We are always in need of volunteers. Just lots and lots of wonderful, wonderful young people to love on.
0: May I get your, uh, hotline phone number?
1: And the national hotline phone number is not up and running yet. That's what, that's the project we're working on. But I can get you the informed choices phone number. Um, but what is, so it's 319-337-0575. And that phone is actually answered 24 hours a day, seven days a week by nurses. So if your abortion Mind it if you don't know what to do. If life is overwhelming, you can call that number 24 7 and get a hold of a nurse um, in Iowa who is going to be able to care for you. So it's 319 337
0: 0575. com, And you said you had a partner website as well. What was that?
1: Yeah, org.
0: Rachel Owen. God bless you. You are our Mother Teresa. Thank you very much for all you do.
1: Uh, Okay, take care. God bless you.
0: Thanks for listening to Better Than Nothing. If you'd like to tell me your thoughts or relate your memories, send it to kenroot at gmail.com. We'll try to put out one of these every week, and you can sign up with your podcast service to be reminded when the next one's available. As I now turn 73 years old, I've decided to have two kinds of days, good ones and great ones. See you next week for another episode of Better Than Nothing.